Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, Not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This is a Boardwalk Audio Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where funny people come on to talk about smart topics they consider themselves to be amateur experts in. I'm your host, Cassie Jerkins, and today we're getting very, very nerdy about one of my favorite film directors, Stanley Kubrick, with Adam Moshkatal. Adam is a very funny podcaster. That's right, you guys. He has a podcast that you can check out that's super fun. It's called You're Gonna Love This Podcast. Each week, he gets on a different guest, interviews them, gets to know them, and then on the spot, he writes a song for them and plays it to them. And then he's very sadistic in that he then has them tell him whether they like the song or not, if they think it's a perfect song or not. And um, most of the time, people, uh, they say it's not perfect. We like it. We love his songs. He's a great musician. And I think you should check out his podcast. You're going to love this podcast. And I'm on episode 21, Millennial Folk Hero is the title of the podcast episode. And you can check that out on your favorite podcasting apps. You can also follow You're Going to Love This Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at YGLT Podcast. We're talking about Stanley Kubrick today. That's right. Stanley Kubrick was an American film director, screenwriter, producer, cinematographer, editor, photographer. Boom, 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 boom. He was quite the visionary. I'm sure at some point you have seen one of his classic films. If not, you gotta check him out. Some of his great films, we're talking The Shining, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, Doctor Strange Love, Full Metal Jacket, Lolita, and so many more great films. Spartacus, the list goes on and on. And he has brought so much to movies and cinematography, and Adam and I are gonna nerd out for the next hour. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode on Stanley Kubrick.
Woo! All right, boom, we're in. Adam. We're here, hi. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and picking a topic that I was like, I know at some point I'm going to talk about this <sighs> man. He's one of my like favorite directors of all time. Mm-hmm. So Stanley the, the man Kubrick. <laughs> Stanley the man Kubrick. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, he's, I love him. Oh, I love him so much. Yeah. Um, he's... He's probably my favorite director. Yeah. He's uh, definitely, I think in in recent years, I've had more conflicted uh, thoughts about him only with like, with like the more I've learned about the behind the scenes stuff and like every movie worked on, he was fighting with people. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then I go, I go back and forth on like, he was a monster, but also maybe that's what he wanted to be. Like, it's like (laughs) the, the conspiracy theorist part of me always wants Mm -hmm. to believe that it was all like his <laughs> genius seeping through. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I take from it is like, I think he was a genius and he had a very strong idea of what his vision was. And if anybody wanted to butt heads against it, yeah. he would not be afraid to be like, Nope, let me do this totally. because like he would fight and then the film would come out and it would get all this praise and everything. And then, but then the actors like were like, I'm never working with him. And like Kirk Douglas was like, I'm done with this guy. Yeah, he, he destroyed um, um, Shelly Winters. Was that her Shelly Winters? Yeah, yeah. She, she, almost like fired her on the spot in oh the God. movie Lolita. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the thing too with directors, especially in Hollywood, mm. is um, I think so many directors are frustrated by production companies because they want to have full control over the film. Like you know, after everything's done, being like, okay, now get rid of this or this or ah, eh, we actually we don't like this actor, right? And that drives most directors nuts. Um, like a lot of directors, their dream is to be like, you give me money and you go away, and then boom, here it is. Don't ask. Total. And, don't and like, say anything. Just release. Kubrick is like, I think one of the biggest examples of. Guys, like the auteur theory, I, I, the, yeah. that idea that it's just one guy creating everything, and if it was, if he wasn't there, none of it would have happened. I think right. he's one of those people that like makes you wonder if that's a real thing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, then you watch like a Star Wars movie, and you're like, oh, maybe it's great when everybody collaborates. Yeah. Because um, when yeah. you give George Lucas full control, but I don't know. But but I think the thing that I like when you want to get really nerdy about directors is if you watch a Kubrick film, you're like, this is Stanley Kubrick. You know, you watch a Steven Spielberg film, you're like, yeah. I I recognize this shot in every movie. He loves this shot. Yes. Um, and then that's one of the things that makes Stanley so great is he, like, brought movement to film and, like, so many shots that, like, had never been done before. Yeah. Perfected steady cam. So, like, he brought a lot to cinema. And, yeah, in terms of both just, like, the art form and, mm-hmm. like, the technical stuff that he brought, it was, yeah. yeah. That he was the originator of like symmetry in a lot yeah. of ways in, yeah. in movies. Um, yeah, you wouldn't have Wes Anderson if it wasn't for for Stanley oh, Kubrick. Oh yeah, he inspired so many people. Yeah. Um, another thing that I always find like very like oh this is a Stanley Kubrick film is like I don't know if I can describe this right, but watching his films, it's not like maybe he did talk about this. But you never because some movies you watch, you feel like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in the movie and like I'm part of the story. I'm a character. And, right. you know, you just kind of get lost in it. But he has this way of kind of like always making the viewer be a little removed to be like, wow, he, the human condition is absurd or it's like problematic or, yeah. you know, like I think like Dr. Strangelove the whole time you're thinking like, 
oh, war is absurd and we're all going to kill each other. Totally. You yeah. Know? You don't feel like you're like a soldier on the front grounds or, no. you know, working for the president being like, let's solve this problem. It's just like, look at all these idiots with yeah. too much power. And it's like very different than how people make movies now, because all yeah. they want to do is like put you on that roller coaster yeah. and have you like experience the ride. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want you to like. view this and And experience it it and think about it yeah which i think is like i think that's like genius you know yeah i think a lot of directors um they don't trust their audience like they think they're Mm -hmm. stupid so they're like here's you know here's a disney film like you just shut up and enjoy you know and then buy merchandise after the film yeah, no, um, he he's like the opposite of like handholding yeah, uh, in, yeah. in art. He just wants, yeah. he's going to make a thing and you're free to interpret it however the hell you want to. Exactly. Um, maybe you'll get it right. Yeah, I don't know. But I feel, I feel like if you talk to anybody who watches a Stanley Kubrick film, they probably feel smart. Like you're mm-hmm. like, wow, I, I thought about things. I must be a smart person. <laughs> and like... That's a nice feeling. It's, yeah. it's better to feel like that coming out of a movie than just like, I understood what that movie was about. They yeah. were fast and they were furious. Yeah. Like, I can't think of the last movie <laughs> that I watched that I was like, man, uh, to be a, a, a bandit on the run, driving cars too fast, too furious. Like, <laughs> what what's that say about the human condition? Maybe like uh, Birdman kind of felt like that. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that also you definitely had that thrill, thrill, thrill ride. <laughs> yeah, feeling. Yeah. It was very much a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say last year seeing Swiss Army Man. That was a little bit of like, oh wow, yeah, like the human body is very absurd and everything. But there yeah. are moments where it was like music and great shots that you're just like getting swept away with the emotion. But there are moments where it's like, oh, this is making me think about like life and human behavior and yeah yeah have you ever seen um there's this director i can't remember what uh his name is but he has a couple like a couple movies on netflix the first one's called primer okay i've not seen that second one i can't remember the name of but he makes (laughs) these very cool very um ambiguous stories uh primer is like a um sci-fi time travel movie Mm um that is uh, like they shot it. I think the this is getting very film nerdy. Their um, what's the word I'm looking for? Film to shot ratio, or like the actual amount. Oh of, yeah. yeah, it was like a two to one ratio. So okay. like they shot barely more footage than they were able to actually put on screen. They shot like 200 minutes, and then the movie was like 100 minutes long. So wow. they just like planned every shot. Yeah, um, yeah. I you warned me not to hit the table, and I've That's, done it twice. You. <laughs> We've ruined the whole show. Stanley uh, Kubrick would, would be yelling at both of us right now. He would have certainly yeah. said cut and yeah. started the takeover. <laughs> oh, that's right. And we would we would have to record this episode at least 148 times. Oh, my God. No, that was the he did that thing where he wanted people to have like no expression with their words. That was, I think, a part of the reason why he had them repeated yeah. over and over. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, we would have no emotion at all. with our. <laughs> it would just be pure sounds yeah. that like we have no connection to. I don't know why he wanted that. What, what's yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, th- a famous shot that I know that he made this actress do over and over again was in the shining Shelley Duvall with the, with the baseball bat in yeah. the bathroom. They did that. Like 
well over a hundred times. I could get the exact number. Um, but she was exhausted. Like, and I think he was just trying to beat out and I, and okay. <laughs> With the shining for the longest time, I was like, Oh, Kubrick was so mean to Shelley Duvall. Like, how yes. could he do that? Like in that's one where if you want to talk conspiracy, he intentionally isolated her. He always argued with her and like oh, yeah. made her feel like shit. But like you get this character that's like just so fragile, fragile, fragile mm-hmm. uh, and weak. Like, I don't know, but like it just like it really like and she embodies like the viewer of like, you know, of like what is happening. Get out, get the fuck out of this hotel. But and also like, like grab your son <laughs> run. It's such a great but it's not a performance. The reason why it's such a great performance is because it's barely performance. Well, yeah, she's just I, that scared. Yeah, and um, and like I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Well, even after The Shining was came out, she was like, "Oh, I'm such a better actor now because of that." I think really? before The Shining, she didn't really have any acting experience. She was literally discovered, like at a like fast food restaurant. So like some director came in and was like, I really like your look. Like, will you be in my movie? And then boom, it like she took off. So she had like no ambitions to be an actor. And then, so when she got to the shining Kubrick was instantly like, Oh, this is not a trained actor. Like this is not a professional person. And if you watch like the documentary, like he would be like, (laughs) they would like, and back then you're shooting on 35 millimeters. So it's like very expensive. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you, if the, if the director says action, like go. And he'd be like standing outside the hotel screaming like action, Shelly, Shelly action. And then like nothing. Then finally she'd peek her head out and she'd be like, Oh, did you say action? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would make me very upset, too. Yeah. <laughs> I It's it's funny. I think my my mind goes to, like, I almost think that the behind the scenes is, like, the real horror movie of The Shining. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Kubrick was like, no, there isn't. The, the real villain of this movie is going to be me. And, like, that's why I am. Yeah. I know that they're filming all of this. Like, he was very aware that they were making a behind the scenes documentary. Yeah, yeah that his daughter was shooting the entire time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I. I tend. I, have you ever seen the uh, documentary Room Two Thirty Seven? Yeah, I did. I need to watch it again, but they got a lot of crazy people. Oh yeah. Like I don't know. At first, it was like a little amusing, and then I'm like, I'm not getting anything really out of this because most of these people's like are unreliable sources. This is true. I think the thing that I got away from that movie is just like that these movies are such amazing, like blank. Um, spaces for you to write whatever craziness you have in your head onto. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I, I can't imagine there's any other director who you can just, like, watch. I couldn't watch Shaun of the Dead yeah. and be like, I think this is about uh, the g- genocide. No, yeah. no, no. It's not about genocide. It's about, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bob Dylan's like that where you can take his songs and, like, be like, it means this thing. Yeah. And he's like, if you think it means that, then it does. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell you what it's about. I, I actually do have uh, s- some very poorly thought out. This is perfect for the show because it's not a good theory at all. Great, great. I have a theory about Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe except for 2001 A Space Odyssey, I don't think it really fits. But yeah. everything else is part of this giant, um, his overarching philosophy of 
white men destroy the world. Like basically <laughs> every every movie features yeah. white people enacting horrible things, specifically white men on the yeah. rest of the world. And they I, I don't know, The Shining is about this yeah. Jack Nicholson just like yeah. murdering women and children. Mm-hmm. Dr. Strangelove. It's oh, just a bunch of white dudes blowing the world up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, two things. One space odyssey, you could argue white men created hell, you know, true. So essentially we're destroying ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then of course that famous opening shot of like the monkeys and yeah. everything. The um, like violence turning into technology. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, the second thing that it's like, I love Kubrick, but of course he is like a, a person of his time, which during that time, white men had all the power. True. So it's like watching Dr. Strangelove. It's like, oh, this is so great. The only woman in this film is literally a secretary yeah. who's sitting in a bikini. And it's like that scene's very funny and it's like very beautiful and like shot and everything. But it's like this is this is just, like she is literally like a beautiful like lamp in the room, you know. Absolutely. And it's, it's, yeah, it's hard it's with like, all movies back that going oh, back in time well, to I watch mean, them and think about I was, that. I was working at UCB last night and they did a reading. The 10 o'clock show was a reading of that movie Amanda Bynes was in that's um, based off of... She's the Man? She's the Man, okay. yeah, yeah, which is based off Twelfth Night. And that was written 10 years ago and it was very much the whole time like harping like, Women act this way, men act that way. Oh my God, cross-dressing, tranny, what's going on? And it's like, that's 10 years ago. Like, I remember as a kid being told like, oh, girls can't do this. So now that we're like making some headway, being like, oh, you can do that. There's still like this secret thing of like, you can do whatever you want. No one's going to help you though, you know? Totally. So, but if you want to become like uh, like a mom and like work and work for your husband in the house... Yes, go for it. That is great. Oh, you want to try and be a CEO? Mm-mm. Good luck. <laughs> not, not, we, not, not yet. Not yet. I know. <laughs> want to be president of the United States? Mm. Not yet. Watch the clock. Maybe maybe in a little bit. Maybe, um, maybe we'll get to see it in our lifetime. But, um, you know, so as much as I love Kubrick, it's like, you know, he's definitely raised and is thinking in a way of like, oh, this like men is really like what? what is what the world is about so that's why all his scripts are look at powerful white men totally it could just be, be a idiots, power thing which is fun <laughs> totally i yeah. think the the general thought with kubrick is like this whole illuminati like uh, yeah the secret conspiracy of power yeah. thing is where yeah. a lot of people go and i'm just I, I think my thought is like it doesn't have to be secret it can just yeah. be like about how this has been the way the world has yeah. worked for one, well, one time and the thing reading about his personal life that I found very interesting was like, he was very distrusting of the United States. Like he lived in England and did most of uh, like his biggest films in England. One, because he didn't want Hollywood to have any control over his stuff. He wanted complete control and England would be like, yeah, you could, we'll give you money and you can shoot here. But 80% of your employees have to be English. Like that was kind of the deal. But, um, and he like moved around because he while he was born and raised in New York, he was like, oh, if Russia's going to fire off some bombs, you're going to hit New York. So to smart man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he was someone that was like very distrusting of government. So that's why I find it very interesting that people think he recorded the space landing. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the big 
conspiracy with Kubrick, yeah, right? That's I think. the biggest one. And we've already mentioned that he's like the worst to work with. Yeah. I don't know why if you were going to hire a director as like the government, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, you're yeah. like, I just want to keep a secret. I yeah. want to make sure this goes like hundred percent smooth and that there's no problems. Yeah. You hire like a Ron Howard type. You, <laughs> yeah. you hire like you you hire a sir yes sir type. Yeah, definitely. You hire the guy that's gonna slide in and take. Mm-hmm. You know, you do the same thing that Hollywood does now, where they hire whoever to to run Godzilla. Yeah, and you know they're just like we want somebody who will do what they're told. Kubrick yeah. was the, the I I'm possibly the worst director in film history. Exactly. In terms of that. Yeah, in, in terms of being a decent human being to other humans. Right. <laughs> And also, I mean, I guess the conspiracy is like, oh, maybe the reason why he's distrusting is because uh, he's in on it uh, and he knows. That seems like a lot of work. You it know does. what I mean? Like to be like, OK, I'm going to make this one thing um, for the government. That's like, yeah, it's like a cool historic thing, but I, it's not like a game changer, you know, no. in your life and your quality of humanity so it's like he did this and then it's like and i'm gonna double down on just being a monster for the rest of my life yeah like i don't i and the thing too is like uh um reading um about his personal life was like he wasn't a good student he just really liked to take pictures his dad who was a doctor was like very disappointed in his grades and he was at a point where like he would like never go to school. Like his attendance rate was like 50, 50. And a lot of times he would just be at the movies watching awesome. whatever's happening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what a life. Ugh. Uh, but I he, wish I could have just like skipped school and yeah. gone to the movie theater. Yeah. I did. I had way too many expectations put on me <laughs> for that kind of behavior to be. Okay. Yeah. I know you'd think he would have too, but I, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, he, his grades were so bad. He didn't qualify for college. Wow. And that was like a big, like, Oh, oh, I fucked up kind of thing. And his dad was like, yeah, man, but here, here's money for your hobby of photography. Um, but like, that's not somebody you get to direct the moon landing. No, no. Like, and he and he would scorn American education and later being like that clearly like <laughs> he's basically like, clearly I'm a genius. I mean, we all can agree on that. Right. Uh, so. America public school failed me because it didn't foster my like creative needs and Mm. skills. And I mean, we're just now starting to get to a point. I don't know if we'll ever see in the United States, but definitely around the world where the kid comes in, you learn, like you study the kid and be like, what does the kid want to learn? And you guide them towards whatever skill they want to hone. I feel like only in the last like five years, I've heard about like learning styles and like this idea, this idea that like I'm a Mm. visual learner is such a new concept. Yeah. I I feel like people are able to like articulate that now, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I I remember I was always a very, uh, not anxious, but just like very, I was always moving as a child. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to be held back a year uh, Mm. in preschool because of that. I don't know how that relates to Stanley Kubrick or if that makes, maybe I'm saying I am as smart as Stanley (laughs) because it's failed me too. I mean, Um, yeah, I don't think how you did in school is really an indicator on like your IQ or what you have to give to the world. No. But also I think it's just further proof that like, the American school system fails many people. Very true. You know, and, uh, has failed them so much that 
when they look at footage of the moon landing, they're like, this is clearly fake because there's a, a ripple. And that means yeah. that wind has to happen. And I can't imagine yeah. a scenario. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know science great. Well, I mean, uh, I've never been to the moon, so no. I don't know what it's like out there. <laughs> I've heard from other people who are smart. Yeah. I remember hearing them say you can have ripples in fabric on the moon without wind. You don't need wind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's so many of the like reasonings behind the moon landing yeah. always feel it's just like I, I spent 20 seconds thinking about it and was yeah. like, oh, that seems weird. I'm not going to think about it anymore or look it up <laughs> or do any research. I'm yeah. just going to assume everything I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like my whole thing is like, yeah, I've been down that rabbit hole. It's fun. Um, but I just. Like, I don't know, it's, uh, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts because I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Um, and I love, like, studying crime scenes. And, like, I just feel like the more I hear about different crime stories and, like, seeing who ending up, like, this is the person that did it, it's, like, one of the key indicators when you're trying to solve a crime and you're listening to the story um, and all the steps and everyone's accounts and look at the evidence, you have to go, what makes the most sense? Because obviously there's, like, maybe what you want it to be. But if you're making too many leaps to make this thing possible to be like, well, maybe, you know, this person like, you know, this happened and sure they got to the restaurant at nine, but they could have had enough time to quickly turn if they took this route and there were no red lights, you know, they could have gone and shot that person and then made it to the restaurant. That's when you have to be like, it's got to be the simple story, which is angry ex-boyfriend or something. Yeah. So it's like looking at the moon landing, it's like, yeah, it's really cool to think like, you know, this Russia versus US like fight was very contentious mm-hmm. to the point where JFK is like, fuck, let's just shoot this thing. Get get me get me the best Hollywood director in town. <laughs> who who just shot Strange Love? Who was that yeah. who made that movie? It was great. We yeah. got another black and white one coming up. And why would you when Dr. Strangelove is such a political movie, yeah. makes fun of the president and like Hugely. government power. And oh, my God. I mean, that movie's so funny with the whole like, oh, yeah, we have this one code that like usurps your power. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we can't communicate to this person because we don't know this code. And only one person knows it. Who's the psychopath? It's like <sighs> so funny. It's beautiful. The guy that's obsessed with Floridization. Yeah. And- <laughs> so good uh. um, to be like, yeah, that's the guy I want to film the moon landing. He seems know. like a bad choice. Yeah. The other thing that always strikes me as odd about the whole theory is like, there's an assumption that the Russians know about it, but then like <laughs> did nothing ever, which yeah. I don't understand at all. Like if yeah. if they knew we fa- we only faked it to like get one over on them yeah, and then yeah. we faked it and then they knew about it and yeah. then they're like, let's sit on this for 50 years. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. And then also like money for the space program is like they they got no money. Like no. no one has any money. NASA doesn't have money. Like there's so much where it's like we could keep exploring things, but we have no money. Yeah. Wouldn't we just like have kept faking it? Like why would yeah. why would we have stopped? Yeah. If it was like, hey, this was pretty successful. Do you want to go to Mars now? Right. Yeah, let's go to Mars, you know, and then you have this very red footage and like, it's, yeah, you could get um, the guy who'd made. Uh, John Carter to be the director <laughs> for it. He exactly. could do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He was from Pixar. You know, actually, I heard the story about John Carter. Uh-huh. Is that so? Like Pixar 
when you're wor- doing working in animation, it can be kind of easy to like finish something and then throw it all away and start over. Yeah. And so yeah. Pixar's done that like a couple times. Uh huh. And then the director for John Carter was one of the Pixar directors, and like he finished that whole movie and watched it and was like, "This is bad." Yeah. And threw it all away and started over. Which you, I love it. You can't do that in live action though. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It made the movie cost so much money. It was just like <laughs> they they never could have made it back. It was yeah. impossible. But. Yeah, so another um, like easy to work with director choice that would have been good for, for faking right. the Mars landing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I mean if you want to fake some space stuff, get the hardest director to work for. Yeah. Um, but speaking of very expensive films, uh, Spartacus, I believe it was Spartacus, was the most expensive film to make of its time. Wow. And Kubrick was only thirty-one at the time, so he was like he was making leaps already. That's crazy. Also, his timeline. Just reading his timeline of like, okay, where did he go from like zero to hero kind of thing? Yeah. Is like five years, which is crazy to me. Like he started making very short films around like 25. Yeah. Like, you know, 23, 25, he starts making these like little short films. And he was very, um, he was like really into boxing. So he made like boxing documentaries and little short films about a boxer's life. Uh, And then people would see it. And like it. And then they would just hand them more like money and scripts. And then the next Steady thing increase. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, Paths of Glory was like the film that everyone's like, this is the new up and comer. And then that led to Spartacus. What is Paths of Glory about? Paths of Glory is that's the first time he worked with Kirk Douglas. Ooh. And then after Spartacus, Kirk Douglas was like, I'm Done with this guy. So it was made in 1957. It was American anti-war war film. And it was based on a novel. Most of his stuff is based off novels. But mm-hmm. this one's by Humphrey Cobb. It's set in World War One, And the film stars Kirk Douglas as Colonel Dax, the commanding officer of French soldiers who refused to conti- continue a suicidal attack. Interesting. So, yeah, I remember now that I was reading this. It's like, yeah, they have like the end of the film is like they basically thousands tens of thousands of soldiers go to die oh wow and like the way i was reading how kubrick shot it was he took like six cameras and set them up and then for the extras you would be assigned camera one two three four five six Uh be like okay like you're gonna be in this shot so like you would go in this section of the field and then um and then they like you know rehearsed the death scenes of basically everybody fighting to their deaths and then Kubrick had a handheld and then followed Kirk Douglas around the, yeah. Oh, wow. And that's how they shot it. That's um, really cool. And that's yeah. like, what, 51? 57. 57. Yeah. That's crazy. And this is before, like, he invented, like, the reverse tracking shot. When did the reverse tracking shot come? That was, like, one of his, like, signature shots. Yeah. The, um, like, the camera moving backwards while everybody is like following the camera kind of is that is that what a reverse tracking shot is yeah i was watching okay i was like reviewing some it could also be like two people sitting at a table and the camera's moving that it's like making the background like move but every but they're stationary like it's i it's it's It's, a trip (laughs) is it like the the hitchcock thing the do you know what i'm talking about that like double zoom that hitchcock does where it like Oh, I know exactly what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. From, like it's I I say Hitchcock and then immediately Jaws is the movie I can think of where it <laughs> happens. Um, yeah. But I know what you're talking about where it's like the people come more in focus and mm-hmm. everything else kind of like distance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't 
I'm I'm too stupid to like know why that works, but it's like it's visually interesting or yeah. like I don't know, there's something about it where it's like because everything else is moving but the two people talking, it's like you can't like you're you feel like you're sucked in on this conversation and the world's Ooh. like happening around you. Interesting. Um, but he actually used the reverse tracking shot in uh one of his first shot uh shorts called Day of the Fight. Mm. Um and he just couldn't stop inventing things. Yeah, yeah. And good. this is he had two brothers walk towards the camera and then he yeah, that's where the shot comes. But yeah, and then the steady cam is also like a very famous thing where and everyone said he perfected it in the shining because mm-hmm. it's like walking around the hotel or biking around and Ugh. being able to like walk and have like a very steady shot. So there's no track. Yeah. It's like you can just see you're just in the hotel. Yeah. 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 So cool. (sighs) What a what a genius. The thing, too, I think I really love about Kubrick is his use of like colors and like how sets look like, you know, Space Odyssey is a good uh, example. I love The Shining because it's like the rooms are so like grandiose and like, yeah. Yeah. Native, a lot of Native American theming and the shining, yeah. a lot of wood. Yeah. Lot of, yeah. yeah. A lot of red. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Eyes Wide Shut also mm-hmm. has fantastic use of color. I, I saw it so long ago. I need to see that again for sure. I think uh, one of the things I love about him too is like, uh huh. Most times when I come back to a movie that I've watched earlier in my life, yeah. I'm just disappointed. Like most of the time it's purely just like, oh, I had nostalgia about this and it's not as good anymore. Yeah, yeah. But every time I watch a Kubrick movie, I feel like it impacts me differently. Ooh. And like it's like the yeah. the the different person I am coming at this movie yeah. um, changes the way that it like I experience it. Like Yeah. I remember Doctor Strangelove it didn't feel as funny this time. I think maybe just because of like well, where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the thing I noticed with this watching it yesterday too, was I was like, intellectually, this is hilarious. Sure. I'm not laughing out loud though, which yeah. I think is what we were talking about early about how he keeps you still always at a distance that you're mm-hmm. not like, like you're not watching hot rod and just like laughing at how stupid Andy Stanberg is totally. and just getting lost in that. It's like, you're just watching this and being like, this is very clever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the moments where I laugh in that are not the like jokes. It's like I've I'll notice like in the background he has pieces our profession written <laughs> on a poster, and I'm like, that's great. Like yeah. that makes me. It, he his background detail work and everything yeah. he does is so good. Yeah. Um, Which, but to like hide yeah. jokes in the background is so great. Yeah, I I heard that that's like um, like studying directors. That's like a key to like what makes a director like great over like other directors Mm. is attention to detail so it's like when you're thinking about like every inch of your shot and like oh you know where everything is placed which i think he did like it's just like even if you don't see that sign like you're just taking this in and being like this is so interesting and good and yeah it's just it's clearly an attention to detail yeah yeah like the um have you heard about there's a a like this is how the type of joke that Stanley Kubrick has. You can barely even tell if it's a joke or not. Um, in The Shining, mm-hmm. there's a scene where um, Jack and um, Shelley's characters are talking over a typewriter. And in the background, there's a chair set up against a wall. And yeah. you see Jack uh, reverse shot to Shelley, reverse shot back. And the chair is gone. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, 
okay, that's just a continuity error. Yeah. Or it's like, it's a joke on horror movies. It's like, <laughs> it's like an opposite jump scare. Yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I laugh now when I look at that scene. Yeah. But it's so not like... It's not hot rod. It's not like yeah. I'm gonna beat up my stepdad. Yeah. It's, I've seen this movie seven <laughs> times and I know that this like there's Thing gonna happens. be an emptiness in the scene. Yeah. Like, it's such a yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that like in horror movies they do things like that to create a feeling of unsettled like of being unsettled, to being like you subconsciously recognize something's off, but right. you can't tell. Another thing which he does in the film, I can't give you an example, uh-huh. is um, like if you're watching a normal movie, like let's say us talking, we're sitting across from each other for the table, is like like do an over-the-shoulder shot of me, of you talking, and then we switch to get me. Right. Um, in horror, they'll switch like the shoulder so it like your brain is like, wait, that's not right. Like that doesn't match like how it would work or what I'm used to seeing. Yeah. Like we've, our brains have adapted to like watching movies a certain way. And yeah. like the, the language is yeah. like, it's like pronouncing a word wrong kind of. Yeah. 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 But it's like, they'll, we, we would do one take of you uh-huh. and then like be like, okay, we're going to do another take and then just have me move over and then shoot it. So then as yeah. it's going back and forth, you're like, this is not like subconsciously you're like, this is not lining up this conversation's terrifying me. <laughs> yeah. There's a thing I think early on in the shining, this is, I can't tell how much of this is, this is all coming through crazy conspiracy theorists right. that I've watched. Oh, so yeah. room two, three, seven. Like yeah. he's wearing a, a shirt with an astronaut on it. Oh, it's, it's really fun. I, it is. I'm, I crazy. love, I love obsessed people. Like it makes, I really enjoy listening yeah. to people that are obsessed with things. <laughs> and like, I think Kubrick is like really great material for obsessives. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. 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 But there's like, the geography of the hotel intrigues people a lot because he like there's um lockers like meat lockers he'll enter in yeah and then they will uh at the end of the scene in the meat locker exit out of the door on the opposite side of the hallway yeah and like things like that where it's just like the whole house is like this weird fun house that yeah if you keep watching it and trying to understand how they're moving through it doesn't make any sense yeah yeah i remember that was like a very conscious thing is like you will never know the layout of the of the hotel or like it'll show you at once and then it'll be totally different the next time you go through. Like I love it. That's the, so weird. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's genius. It's so good. But it's like, he thinks about that, you know, where I think some directors are like, all right, we're shooting this in this tiny apartment. Right. Like, okay, go. Yeah. And then okay, like the yeah. audience will like fill in the details is kind of like yeah. the, yeah. Or, or like, we don't need to worry about it. It's like, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, I don't know. How are they going to move from here to here? Who cares? Yeah. 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 It's like jump cut. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. Um, then the audience won't care either. Yeah. Mm. Have you seen uh baby driver? I haven't seen it yet. Oof. Did you like it? Cause I'm hearing very mixed reviews of like, people are like, this is great. And other mm-hmm. people are like, it's Edgar Wright's worst film yet. Wow. And then film nerds are like, it's amazing because of the use of music. Mm-hmm. It's like a music leading a film project. Totally. I I really liked it. Uh-huh. I saw it with uh, our friend Byron. Ah, um, shout out to Byron. Yeah, what's up, Byron? Um, he didn't like it as much. He has more of a screenwriter mentality. He said mm. he felt like the the script was a little soft, okay. I think, which I can yeah. like, I, I guess I see where he's coming from. Uh-huh. But it had some of re- some really really great background stuff. There's a there's an early scene where like a bunch of lyrics are in graffiti in the back oh, as you cool. and he didn't even notice that so maybe that's why he didn't like it. Oh. But yeah, does a lot of Kubrick stuff. Yeah. It's cool. Oh, I love 
I love nods to like other directors mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, that's a Kubrick shot or a Spielberg shot or um, yeah, like or like I would love to get really nerdy and do take like a history of film class and watch how um, older directors like influence new directors. Yeah. Because when I was in college, I took like a history of rock music and that was really cool to be like, oh, look at how jazz and Sunhouse like turned into Nirvana. You know, it's like it makes it's like when you study it, you can see the progression. And like when you say like, oh, Wes Anderson loved Kubrick, it's like that makes complete sense. They're also completely different directors with different visions. Totally. They have different like goals. Yeah. um, But they (laughs) use the same like toolbox to get to those places. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, there's like that one, the thing that I thought of too, as soon as I said he invented symmetry, I was like, that's not true in my head. Because <laughs> there's that one really, really old train robbery movie that ends with like the guy just pointing a gun right at the screen and shooting. Oh. Have you ever seen that shot before? I feel like I have. So, I well, I mean, I've definitely one. seen that shot yeah. used in other films. Yeah. It became like the Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, that that big ending in Goodfellas. It was like total Interesting straight ripoff. You mentioned Goodfellas because uh, Goodfellas uses a reverse tracking shot. Oh yeah. And yeah. wait, what when where is the reverse tracking shot? It's like they're talking in a diner uh-huh. and um uh the main character is narrating like what's happening. So you don't hear the conversation, but mm-hmm. you hear the narrator talking and then as they're talking, it's like the outside world is getting pushed away and the camera's moving away, but you still feel like you're closer. It makes mm. you like want to lean more into the into like the shot of like what what are these two talking about? Is that table. is that in the big like um, uh, I'm on cocaine and scared of the cops like ending part of that movie? Sorry, spoilers for a 27 <laughs> no, year old movie. No, I don't think so. I think it's like kind of in the beginning of like he's just starting to dip his toes into. Okay, so it's like him. He's leaning in and he's getting. Yeah, excited. he's okay. like, all right, I'm ready to do this, and he's like, all right, here's here's what you're gonna do, blah blah. blah. And he's uh. like. You know, and there I was talking to blah, 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 blah. I love I, it's a great film. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, any all of these good directors. It's just when you yeah. everything they do, they care about. Like that's yeah. I think that's the main thing is like every part yeah. of your job you need to care about because somebody's going to watch it and yeah. you want them to care about it, too. Yeah. And I think that's like the key to being a director is like you are in charge of all the moving parts and like making sure they're all coming together and communicating like what it is you want the viewer to take in. Yeah. Um, you know, where I think a lot of people are like, hey, you just say action and then say go or, you know, like there's like people that say like, oh, there's directors for actors because like they are really good at like getting the actors to do something. And then there's I would say Kubrick is probably not an actor's no. director where he's more looking at like the bigger picture of like what things see and like. And I think, too, probably what frustrated a lot of people on Kubrick films is, like, I don't think he shared the vision. Like, I don't think he was like, this is what I'm going for. He's just like, just do that. Just say it again. Don't have any emotion. Again, uh, you know, you move the camera just an inch, like, to the right at this line. I'm not telling you why. Like, you'll see it. Just I don't have time to tell you. Just do it again, 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 again. Totally. I think part of I mean, if I had to guess, I think at least. In, in The Shining, I think it maybe would have ruined some of what he was going for. Yeah. It's, I think part of it is like, he just needs to know that when it's being assembled, it will yeah. have that vision. Yeah. And like I, a lot of like, uh, I know video game companies are kind of suffering from that right now because uh-huh. like they'll bring voice actors on 
like two years before the thing comes out and like have them NDA'd up and like they can't know anything about the whole main story. You're just this like merchant guy. Just read your lines. And that's why like the voice acting seems weird. It's like flat and kind of like uninteresting. Hey, what are you doing? What's it going to be, boy? Right. Because they, they, they have like, even when it's they like a know. pivotal scene, they don't yeah. know. Like yeah. they can't tell. Yeah. So, I mean, I think. NDAs, man. That's, I don't like all this, like we need to keep things secret. It's like, no one really cares that much. Like, no. unless you're Star Wars, like no one really cares. Or Walking Dead. Right. But even then, if it's like, oh yeah, that character did die because they're no longer on set. Who cares? You wanted to know. Now, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where, like, I just try to avoid spoilers in general. Yeah, and so yeah. if that's your mindset, you can just avoid them. You don't yeah. like you don't have to watch trailers. Yeah. You don't have to go to entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment. Stay off social media. Just live in a cave and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> never uh, talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Only only interact through <laughs> the media that you want to watch when it comes out exactly. and then go back to your cave. Yeah. 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 It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, why were we talking about NDAs? Um, I video. I don't remember. Oh, Kubrick not. Telling people his visions. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and that that makes me think, too, another thing about The Shining is the boy who played Danny had no idea he was acting in a horror film the entire time. Which I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that's why they did it, because they're like, this is a child. They don't need, he doesn't, he shouldn't know what no. this is like. Terrifying. And he gave good performances when he had to be scared. So like, yeah, that's fine. Don't he doesn't need to know about the grisly sexual details of like a man in a bear costume. Yeah. Uh, a woman in a bathtub. Yeah. 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 It's that's a place where I'm like, great job, Stanley. Yeah. He didn't you didn't need to in like the psychosexuality of this movie did not need to go into yeah. Danny's actor. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, have you heard the. This is kind of a new conspiracy is like uh, if you watch The Shining as if Danny's the bad guy, it oh, works. Yes, I have heard this, or that he like, is the one that is like controlling. He brought them to the hotel to kill his father. Yeah, yeah. For beating him. I don't know if I even would consider him to be the bad guy in that sense, but but, but that yeah, he's like the puppet master. Like the yeah, the puppet master. For sure. I, yeah. I like that It's a that fun idea. way to watch it. You're like, yeah, it does work this way. And he kind of. He does a lot of he seemingly controls the um, yeah. the caretaker of the place when he comes back. Like, yeah, yeah. You see the like lights in his eyes. Um, yeah, and yeah. And then he gets he gets his butt murdered with an yeah. axe. Um, maybe. Ugh. I know. I know. Watching it that way that made me really love the scene. Well, I already love the scene, but watching it through this lens is like, ooh, this is really creepy. Is like the scene where like. Jack is uh, sitting on the bed uh-huh. and he's just like so emotionally drained and it's like the beginning of the descent of madness, but he's still kind of there and Danny's sitting next to him. Right. And they just have that conversation and like he hugs Danny and everything. But it opens, that shot opens and Jack's just looking at the ground and Danny is just sitting calmly next to him looking at him. Mm. <laughs> and you're just like, ooh, creepy. <laughs> and that's what's so... I- what other director could like have uh, arguably the most harmed person in the movie? Yeah. Also, maybe be like the controlling puppet master. Like that's yeah. so cool. That's yeah. such an amazing level of depth. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, I, I know. It. What? It's so good. What is? I had this thought a couple minutes ago, and then we got on tangents. <laughs> but I, uh, what is your favorite? Kubrick movie? Oh, The Shining is my favorite. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah. It's probably one of. 
like if not my favorite movie of all time. I I watch it every year, like yeah. at least twice a year, once around Halloween and then once just I'm like, I like watching this film. Sure. Um, And I think that has to do a little bit of like I saw it as a kid, like at my grandfather's house. My grandfather would like let me watch anything, right. you know, like. My mom would be like, you can't watch South Park. And I'm like, OK, I'm going over to my grandparents to <laughs> spend the night on Saturday and I'd watch South Park. Uh, so we watched like a lot of like weird like cowboy movies and horror movies. And cool. Shining was one of them. And I was just like, I love this. Like, I can just sit here and watch it and not be like so grossed out that I'm like, OK, turn it off. Like, this isn't fun. I was just like, this is really spooky that's interesting so when you um, your first watching of it you remember feeling like scared like it was a scary movie initially i wouldn't say again and this is probably why i love it is like there's always a part of you that's like outside of a kubrick film so right. it's like i it, it to me the shining feels like someone's like hey do you want to hear what happened to the andersons this winter and you're mm. like go on and they tell the whole story and you're like holy shit you know they're like yeah we think the dad went mad and like axed them we found him in the maze like that's what it feels like someone telling you a story but just like you getting to see the visuals of it so kubrick's like your gossipy mom's (laughs) friend like (laughs) i mean and it's i love true crime so it's like you know it just kind of hits everything but it's not like it's not like the exorcist where it's like all these like subliminal messages are coming in and bees and everything that I'm just like, I instinctually feel terrified that it's like, I'm not having fun watching this. I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't have fun being scared. Okay. I like being intrigued and like, Ooh, like ghost and spooked out, maybe spooked out. But like, as far as like, you know, lights turned off watching a movie at like one in the morning and like little the creeks and like the house like yeah. set me off you know that's like it's not the most fun you know interesting yeah. yeah i remember the first time i saw the shining being like totally unfazed uh-huh like it just didn't i know i know a lot of people me. that are just like that's your favorite movie <laughs> <But> <laughs> or whatever i i i've grown to love it and i've yeah. grown to be more scared of it i think the ah. movie as i've like learned more about like how the world works yeah like it it has become a scarier thing to think about just like these two people trapped in a hotel with just their crazy abusive father uh, and also like there does seem to be like some sort of commentary on like wanting to produce great work for the world and not mm -hmm. being able to and like having you know a part of you unfulfilled and then that kind of bleeds over into your personal relationships that like you're like, what did I say about coming in while I'm working? And, yeah. you know, like, yeah. And, and like maybe this is uh, a little bit of the uh, crazy conspiracy theorists seeping into my mind. But yeah. like I can see not that it's about any one genocide, but that like there is a fuel of like this idea of kind of how the world has been destroyed in ways like the show. I mean, it's about like all of these kind of older, it's about history. I think it's about like what, Mm. like how humans repeat these like violent cycles against themselves. And And then women are just reactionary, (laughs) which is like, yeah, they just need to make babies and be nice to them. It's a very limited (laughs) worldview. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, that kind of a story doesn't really get, told anymore or Mm -hmm. at least I don't see it very often in like Hollywood yeah well yeah and what's interesting now too that I think is about to happen is we're about to start getting like 
big kind of like musicals, happy kind of films. Mm, yeah. So I think last year we had a lot of like depressing films that are like, hey, like look at these humans that you've probably never thought about. Like, hey, what's it like to be, you know, black and gay growing up in, you know, with a mother that's addicted to crack? Yeah. Like, it's like, what is that like? And it's like very real. But after the election, I think it's like we're about to get into like everything's okay. <laughs> Watch oh, yeah. these Disney movies. Everything's fine. You it's know, very like, like 80s. All of the 80s was yeah. just like, let's Ugh. pretend that everything is really, Robo-cop. really happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what's your favorite Kubrick film? Ooh, I think the more I've seen it, Full Metal Jacket has become my favorite. I I loved that film. I the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I could ever watch this again. I hear ya. It's it reminds me of uh oh shit, who is that um director? He made Black Swan. He oh, made yeah. Requiem for a Dream. Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky, is that his name? Requiem for a Dream, directed by Yeah, Aronofsky. Woo. His film, yeah. Points for you, Adam. Points on the podcast. Do, do you keep track of uh, all no? Of there's the- no pointing oh. point system, unlike your show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, his films, I'm always like, I will watch all his works one time, and that is probably it. Yeah, they're impactful, very disturbing. Yeah, I I think maybe because of that, the the second half of Full Metal Jacket it's, is is it really is underrated. Two different films, totally. Yeah, and like I hear a lot when people talk about it that they're just like, oh, the first half is amazing. It's this like incredible like indoctrination thing. It shows yeah. you how like we function, and then like the second half kind of sucks. Uh-huh. Is, and I totally disagree. You think it's the opposite, or not even that it's? I mean, I think the first half is incredible. Yeah, um, it, that's the one that I'm like, this was amazing. I don't know if I could watch this again. Just because yeah. it's so disturbing. It, it is. It's it's like this. Uh, I mean, I think uh, what's his name, Arlie Ermy. I think is his name. The drill instructor is like yeah. that's maybe one of the best performances of all time. Like yeah. he just like. Fuck. And I think that's a good. Uh, this is I think looking at that first half too, and uh, when it comes down to the massacre and everything, mm-hmm. that's where Kubrick flips the switch and is like, "Hey, remember how I had you kind of removed." Through most of my work, all of a sudden you're really going to feel this. Yeah, that bathroom scene is like very intimate and very, you, you're you right there. there. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Oof. Um, I think, and yeah, the second half, there's, like most of his movies, there's a lot of psychosexual politics mm-hmm. involved. There's like, <laughs> I think it's all. So interesting. Like the, the sniper in the end is yeah. like a young woman. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. And there's this very sexual like the standing over her, like all the group deciding, like, should we do it? What are we going to do? Yeah. That like harkens back to an earlier scene where they're like um, getting a prostitute yeah. and like talking about how, what they're going to do with her. And it's like, I, ugh, it's so yeah. good. And so like, it, it really like shoots through you yeah. um, in a way that I, I don't experience very often. Yeah. And that film came out in 87. So maybe around that time he's, maybe thinking about women a little bit differently, but still like, like I feel like in that situation, it's like he's playing with like how women up to this time are like, you only get to play these few roles, you know? Mm -hmm. So like to have the woman be the sniper, but then also to like make you think of the prostitute at the same time is like, yeah, very, 
very interesting it kind of this is very stupid (laughs) reference but it reminds me of metroid um because that i think that game came out around the same time yeah and that was like the first like what i'm playing a girl my mind is blown no way she but she hurt things and she's strong (laughs) um yeah that i i wonder how if that like kind of era Mm. of women's lib yeah. was like if those it were connected was, at all. But no, that I think that's very interesting because it makes me think of Street Fighter, how like there was only Chung Lee for like the longest time. Yeah. And there was like as a kid, it was like, oh, only girls play that. Like only girls get to play her character or whatever. And like, yeah, she's a badass, but she's also like very sexualized and like what she's wearing mm-hmm. and what she looks like. And then, and then if guys were playing her, it was like, oh, I'm playing with her because she's hot, you know, not because like, oh, this is like a good character to play. I I Um, wish I could tell you that uh, (laughs) fighting games have become less sexist in the time since. Tomb Raider, what, like last 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have gone from um, the like Tomb Raider giant, um, like triangle (laughs) to like slightly more taste uh yeah but still still big or whatever they spend a lot of time thinking uh, like a lot of men designing the game spend a lot of time thinking how should these boobs move and i feel like maybe we could spend a little less time on that maybe a little more time on the character or it's a slow progress i think like (sighs) like yeah because i mean there are girl gamers that get like shunned on social media and bullied but then there are girls that are kind of coming up that are like oh, I play video games on Twitch and live broadcast it and they have big followings and stuff. So it's getting better. It's getting better. But I think the video games is like a very good place to look at like, oh, is there still sexism in 2017? It's like, welcome to this world. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Time to feel good about life. I think the answer is uh, uh, if you look into any like smaller amount of communities, pretty much. Yeah. Like anywhere where like people have had power for a little bit. Yeah, there's probably sexism happening there. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of racism too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, so Full Metal is your favorite. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about 2001 Space Odyssey. Have you seen it? Of course. Okay. Um, it, that it, movie was like, I remember I was like a kid and it like just started to come on like one Saturday afternoon and I just sat there for three hours and was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's... Um, it's an amazing experience. It's yeah. totally, I don't think anybody has even attempted to do something like it since then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the most audacious film mm-hmm. project I've ever seen. Like just try to track the entire, basically from ape to super <laughs> beings. Like yeah, yeah. what is the evolution of man? Yeah. It's a, a huge idea to try to take Big on in two hours. For sure. God. Yeah. 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 And he made it in 1968 crazy which blows my mind because i feel like you could say oh yeah it was made in 2001 and you'd be like oh yeah totally yeah like yeah it looks a little old but the the gorilla costumes are clearly men in costumes (laughs) but like other than that it's pretty good yeah (laughs) but yeah like i think steven spielberg has said like that's the best like there are a few people that have been like this is the masterpiece of films yeah like yeah i i often think with like film and video games in terms of like you know, uh, paintings and music yeah. have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. We've really only just started doing these new forms of art. So we like yeah. barely even know like what they're capable of yeah. or what we can do with them. Yeah. And like, what are the things that we're going to look back on and be like, oh, that was a Mona Lisa. Like, um, I, you know, probably 99% of what we're making right now is 
totally bad garbage. is garbage yeah. and There's we shouldn't like think about it. There's like an article that just came out that's like, why is Hollywood dishing out all this shit right now? And yeah. it's just like, they, no one cares. Like the like the passion to like make something great is overshadowed by, oh, we could just make some shit and make a ton of money off of it. Yeah, it's there's no... Like when I hear of these stories of like Iron Man's shooting schedule where they just like handed Jon Favreau like five pages of like an outline and we're like, uh, good luck, make a movie. Um, wow. Robert Downey Jr., come up with all your lines. Like you might make something good that way. Yeah. But yeah. what if you cared? Like what, if, <laughs> what about like what, yeah. what if like the person who thought it was a good idea to finance the movie yeah. and the person who wanted to direct it and all the actors, what if everybody was like, this is going to be a good movie Yeah. and like worked hard? Like I think everyone's like, I'm about to get a big paycheck and. I think maybe like the true artists that are working on that will then be like, and then I can use that money to make my next project. But that's so you know? sad. It like- is sad. It is sad that, cause I think too, it's like we were talking about how Kubrick is, we assume is very thoughtful about the audience experience. I mean, mm-hmm. like you're a smart person. Let's look at like this philosophical question. Um, so you look at Iron Man and it's like, we don't, care about you idiots you're gonna pay the money and come see it yeah it's i mean we don't care if you like it or not you'll be at the next avengers movie that's like the business plan to a certain degree yeah is that is that we don't have to care about any movie because you care about the whole idea yeah that's like very um that's like disney's like financial model is like make get them when they're a kid so they love it so much that when they have kids they bring them back and then you just have a cycle of consumers mm-hmm. oh and then and it's just uh, like that emotional like i love avengers i love these characters and break the trademark uh industry yeah. and copyright so that you can ho- own it forever yeah um, i know yeah uh, monopoly like remember i went being raised in and they were like, we hate mon- monopolies here. <laughs> and then now I'm like, everything's a fucking monopoly. Yeah, nobody seems to care anymore. Yeah. Um, we If uh, copyright laws were the way they were in the 1900s before Disney started fucking with everything. Yeah. We could be making our own Star Wars movies right now. That would be it's crazy. Literally, it's literally, it's 30 years. It's been 30 years since 77. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we could do it. He's George Lucas. Don't you think George Lucas has had enough time to make money on Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he has. Uh, Yeah. He doesn't need any more money. Most of those people don't need any more money. No. Why are we giving them tons more money? I, you know, I like Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that J.K. Rowling might be like the next Disney. That doesn't make me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's like its own empire for sure. I don't want it. To, yeah. I don't like uh, dynasties and empires and things. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's a book that I like or yeah. a, a political figure. Yeah. Like, and just... then it makes me think of artists like jd salinger that's like no one will ever make catcher in the rye you know yeah like there are authors and stuff that are like over my dead body over my children's 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 dead body like this will not be made yeah um because it's like they believe so strongly in the medium of their work that they're like this is the only way it can be consumed and the the integrity of this art like don't fuck with it and but that's what's funny when it's like comes back to The Shining and Stephen King's like, what the fuck did you do to my movie? Oh, and yeah. Ronald Dahl, like when Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out, he's like, this is not my story. Right. Well, I think yeah. that was one of Kubrick's biggest strengths is his ability yeah. to take a piece of work and go like, what was good about this? Like, what should I yeah. change when I'm making my thing? And like, yeah, what is not going to go like what's not going to build up the theme that I have? Like, what yeah. should I take out? Because it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. There's like a big 
one of the big conspiracies on A Clockwork Orange, which we also haven't talked yes, about yet. Yes, we haven't talked about that, and that is another one of my faves. Oh, so good. I think um, it goes Shining, 2001. Well, I don't know. Full Metal's great. Dr. Strangelove. I feel like I need to revisit Lolita. Who yeah. knows? But Clockwork They're Orange also good. was that I was going through a phase of like, I have to read banned books. And mm-hmm. then so like I read that and I was like, wait, Stanley Kubrick made a movie of it. <laughs> and then like watching it right after I finished it and being like, yeah. this is so freaking weird. And very and different than the book. It's not. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's not trying to be a direct adaptation at all. Yeah. Yeah. He changes a lot of like details. I think he changes. I can't remember what the symphony was in the book, but he changes uh-huh. it to the fifth in the movie. Yeah. And there's like a lot of talk online about how it's it's like ode to joy i think is the the phrase that he the the yeah yeah that's that's the one from the movie and Uh that's like it's been co-opted by a lot of different political groups on all different sides to mean just like join our group and Uh i think there's some everything could be written written in as like possible subtext in a stanley kubrick movie yeah yeah oh man but the thing that he took from uh, the book, there was that like technique in the book to cure Alex's like sociopathy or whatever. Yeah, the, like yeah. showing him all the images, pictures, and the keeping the eyes open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like a close reading of the film that uh-huh. is uh, that posits that like he was never changed by the technique, uh-huh. and that it because the yeah. science is bullshit. Like there is no real. Yeah. Like you can't disassociate somebody from something by showing them a bunch of Im- like yeah. it's not how fear works in humans. Like yeah, yeah. Usually you f- you're not afraid of spiders because you see six thousand images of spiders beamed into your face at once. Right, right. Um. So there's like this whole thing about like maybe Alex was just faking it like the whole time mm. to get through the program because he knew. And then at the end, he's kind of not cured again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, definitely, yeah. yeah, you definitely leave the movie being like nothing's change this no. is just a shitty society or whatever <sighs> yeah welcome to uh <laughs> welcome, welcome to, to the world America. Yeah. the world's uh, terrible i know i know did you what do you think of his last film artificial intelligence well i actually i don't think i've seen artificial intelligence he only wrote that right because i think he yeah. di- died and then he passed off to spielsberg right yes because his last film he shot was eyes wide shut Artificial intelligence. That was the one he passed off to Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And then Napoleon never got made. Yeah. Which I would love to see a movie about Napoleon. That would have been very, I mean, it hits all of his themes so well. The mm-hmm. like, I mean, just like singular person in charge. The yeah. like All of the ego and like a political power dynamics yeah. behind it. It's yeah. a very interesting. He's a, Napoleon's an interesting guy, believe it or not. Oh yeah. He was <laughs> <laughs> he was probably my favorite political leader <laughs> like as a nerd and like not like oh I want to be this person but like like yeah Hitler is a monster but look at this guy this guy is freaking weird and just he like the way weird. he got banished to war he was one of he definitely Warsaw? like what I think he got banished to two places he got banished to twice if I yeah, remember correctly didn't he escape the first time yeah he escaped <laughs> he's he's one of those guys where you're like maybe the great person theory is true a little bit because yeah, he yeah. could just kind of do whatever he wanted yeah yeah if I remember correctly he like escaped like came onto the shores of France a whole army came to like stop him and he was just like you could try to stop me or you could join me and they were like we're in (laughs) (laughs) like then he marched back to France and like took France again I think yeah it's so crazy like yeah it's also I love the idea 
of during that time being like, all right, we're banishing you to this island, but you still get to have all your riches and everything. Right. You just have like this, the psychological turmoil of like, oh, I'm just stuck here. Um, yeah. We're like before that, it would be like off with your head. And, well, and he is one of the few people where I think like he was a not like a benevolent dictator, but he had like good ideas. It was yeah. He like he just wanted to take over everything. Like that was like his. <laughs> He, he was like a micromanager. He was yeah. like the ultimate yeah. micromanager. He yeah, just wanted yeah. to tell everybody in the France what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he introduced meritocracy. That's kind of a good thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah. benefits. There's some, there's some merit to meritocracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Sorry, Stanley. You didn't get to make that one. I know, right? And then, yeah, it's just sitting there. I don't. I can't remember if, like, he said no one could make it or... And it's, like, I don't think it's quite finished. Yeah. And I don't know. I, From what I've heard about AI, I should see it so that I can confirm this for myself. Yeah. That, like, it's good. No one was blown away by it. No. for sure. Yeah. It's got that, like... That like hint of um, Spielberg always wants to make you crying at the end of a movie. Yeah, yeah, which that is very going against Kubrick. Yeah, I mean, I Kubrick just want you to go, huh? <laughs> ooh, I mean, I I feel very sad at the end of some of his movies, but I'm definitely not yeah. like uh, nostalgic and crying and like yeah. weepy sad. It's, yeah, like all is lost. It's just like man, life's a bummer. Yeah, like the end of uh, Full Metal Jacket where they're all marching and Joker's got the 100-yard stare and it's just like, oh, man, all right, this is what happens to people in war. Yeah, um, fuck, dude. Ugh. Yeah. Um, not not quite the same as, like, my AI robot loves me. And then, said, is that what happens? I don't know. For At AI? AI? Yeah, it. I feel like I saw it in theaters and I was, you know, 13 or whatever and I remember being like this is long (laughs) this is long and nice and and at that time I think like there were a lot of like AI type of movies that were like really playing on this philosophical idea of like can robots feel emotion yeah and like just kind of putting a lot of like human like feelings onto robots like was it things people were very obsessed with so it was like hmm like you know, I, I kind of like, and then the I'm robot's a kid, story. you know, it's like you instantly just feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think like, I think most people walked away being like this. I like Jurassic Park. <laughs> 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 I wanted to see Jurassic Park again, <laughs> but could yeah. alien raptors. <laughs> hey, uh, movie theater. This was good. Next time though, when it says AI, just put Jurassic Park yeah, yeah, in yeah. and that'll be great. Uh, wouldn't it be hilarious if you go to the movie theater and they're like, well, you, you guys don't want to see this. You want to see Jurassic Park. We know like, what you need. You're right. We do. <laughs> we always want to see Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. They should just, I, I would appreciate that if the movie yeah. theater took a little bit more, um, if they, you know, if they cared about what they were putting on, yeah, you, know, yeah. you guys don't get to see Despicable Me 3. It's not <laughs> like you, you think you want Despicable yeah, Me yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. Oh my God. Dinosaurs. That's, that's another good example of let's make a lot of money. It has worked very well. Yeah. They have designed like maybe the perfect marketing tool in Minions. Like I think oh, that yeah? may be like the best the most genius, like, uh, everybody is going to love this thing or at least, like, know about it and, like, have right. it burned into their head. Is that from Amazon? That's from Despicable Me. Oh, uh, yeah. I was I was trying to think what their marketing tool is because I remember, like, a year or two ago, all Amazon boxes had minions Oh, on yeah. Them. They had the, I mean, I just think, like, 
it's just like the best branding I've never seen. I mean, maybe besides like Jurassic Park kind of started that a little bit. Yeah, where like yeah. You knew Jurassic Park more almost as a brand before you knew about it as a movie. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Despicable Me has that now, too, where it's just like the minions are just like everywhere in the whole goddamn world. Yeah. You can't yeah. get away from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never sat down and watched a Despicable Me Minions movie. I mean, I'm sure it's like fine like i'm sure like i'm like oh this is enjoyable like popcorn yeah like with my children or whatever steve carell's in it he's yeah. generally good yeah yeah Kristen wig and like they're getting people on board with it um but mm. yeah i i know who they are because yeah they are everywhere yeah you can't it's it's maybe it's also just because we live in la and like you're surrounded by advertising everywhere you go yeah in LA yeah too. i feel like yeah we probably know about things coming out before other people do because it's like oh this youtube show because there's billboards or right yeah i don't see kevin can wait um <laughs> posters everywhere yeah, yeah yeah they're on every bus i guess they're not anymore i think the show has been canceled oh, but um, sorry everybody decided that he could wait mm-hmm. and didn't watch the show yeah um uh i think i had another thought on kubrick and i'm trying to remember what it was it's um Clockwork Orange related, I think. Oh, we haven't talked about the stare. The stare. The Kubrick I look. I, oh. Do you know the, the like, that's one of his like motifs that he has in most of his movies that like, uh, like eyebrows down, like furrowed. I'm trying to do it. Yeah. And be, you're, you're making me think of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's in like most of his movies, I think. He does it. Yeah. Jack Nicholson does it in The Shining. Do you know why he wants the stare? I don't know. It's maybe just because it's like kind of like it's creepy and inscrutable and like, yeah. it's kind of what he's about is just being like hard to understand, but, yeah. but kind of foreboding. And I don't yeah, know. that's interesting too. Cause uh, you know, people have quoted that his demeanor, it was, he was a very quiet, introverted kind of guy mm-hmm. that, but you just instantly respected him. Like you're like, I don't, something's going on. I yeah. don't know. But I will do whatever this man wants me to do, you know. I have also seen, like, almost every picture of him, he is doing some kind of version of that. Yeah, st- like, I think yeah. that's just maybe, maybe he's just like, okay, just look normal like this and, like, puts his face <laughs> in and, like, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, wow, that's so interesting. Now I'm going to be noticing the stare everywhere. It's in, it's definitely, uh, Gomer Pyle in the, the bathroom scene. He's doing it. Uh huh. Um, Alex, when he's driving in a clockwork orange is doing it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know if there's any in eyes wide shut. It doesn't really feel like a Tom Cruise <laughs> look. I can't imagine him doing yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I'm sure like Kubrick's like, Hey, do this. Uh, eh, never mind. No, just, just, just be Tom Cruise. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see that movie again. I need to see Lolita again. I remember um, Lolita is a very controversial yeah. movie, it, but like people love it. It's I mean, it's a weird story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he. it also comes from a time period where people were like less worried about portraying like kind of offensive things in film. That's what I find very interesting is, OK, so Lolita came out in 62. When uh-huh. I go back and watch like old classics, I'm like. Oh, that would never be in a movie today. Like yeah. certain like relationships or like sometimes the things characters say to each other is so direct that I'm like, people don't say that or explore these ideas anymore. 
But in my mind, I always thought like 50s and 60s was like, like, la, la, la. Everything's yeah. like white picket fences and fine. It's cr- I think we underestimate how like like we don't think that we can be white picket fancy today because we're like we live today yeah, like yeah. we can't be deluding ourselves i feel yeah. like we're kind of in a period of like really massive self-delusion oh, and we're definitely like even if we are liberal we're we're in a conservative setback right now mm-hmm. and like that's definitely like overall image is like that's gonna looking back we're gonna be like oh man like you know even despite we're sitting in it being very upset and angry and trying to be outspoken through protests and social media but it's like all in the bubble of that time period yeah where you look at the overallness and you're like yeah but trump's president like there's a reason for that you Mm -hmm. know like uh yeah, where I think, yeah, you see the movies and that's like kind of like the liberal people being like, no, we are going to talk about divorce and sexuality and 13 year olds. Yeah, I think maybe like maybe with Jordan Peele's like new directordom. Yeah, right. And this idea of like a social thriller being like a new genre in mm-hmm, movies. Maybe mm-hmm. we're starting to see that change a little bit. But yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think in some movies like Barry Jenkins and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, through that, it's like, that's progress, you know, but it's like these little movies over fucking minions. Yeah. And like Marvel movies being, I mean, not like pro war, but certainly not like uh, blowing things up. will not solve. You're not going to watch a Marvel movie and hear a liberal propaganda. No. You're, it's like everything's fine. Everyone gets together and we're just kind of snarky to each other. Yeah. And then the bad guy is like an alien and we kill him with military stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the message is not center. That sounds pretty right wing when you like boil <laughs> yeah, it down. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. basically like, oh, that's a creepy new guy. Like, let's not let him live anymore. Yeah, He's different. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Jordan Pill and uh, Barry Jenkins, like with Moonlight and everything is like, yeah, you're like those. I think looking back, it's like, oh, yeah. Remember how like 2017 was like a really shitty time in American history? What were the, some of the great movies? And you go back and watch this and be like, I had no idea these kind of movies were being made. Yeah, um, I think I, maybe I, I I keep hoping that we're moving into like a new 60s and it keeps kind of not happening. Yeah, you know I know. I, mean? I thought I thought like, yeah, with um, especially this past year, I thought it was like, oh, this is this is it. And then with the election, it's like, oh, we're we're all going to it's civil war now. Yeah. And it's not happening, which is very interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I Maybe maybe it's time for a new Kubrick to come around and like. <laughs> Shake us all up and be like, no. But then secretly working for the government yeah. the entire time. Guys, watch out when that Mars landing <laughs> happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out for, I guess maybe it'll be Wes Anderson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I think even if they hired Wes Anderson, he would still be like, I have to put something quirky in here. Like you open, it's the start of the Mars landing is like an opening of a book. And yeah. you look into the book and there's a frame of Mars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is Mars made of yarn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These spacesuits are very like, like fur coats, <laughs> and they're smoking the whole time. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's an astronaut. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> oh my god, I would love that if like it feels very realistic, but you're like, but that's Jeff Goldblum, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty. I've seen Jeff Goldblum a lot. Yeah, I think yeah. that's him. Uh, oh man. 
Oh, I love it. Uh, all right. Do you have any parting comments hmm. you want to say about Kubrick? Um, if you haven't, if you didn't like a Kubrick movie that you watched early in your life, try it again. Cause yeah. I think you'll have changed at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could see how like, yeah, going back to like how it's a, a film you don't like get sucked into, you kind of just like watch and think like mm-hmm. maybe you probably have to be like in the right mood for it. And like, even if you're not in the right mood, you're going to be in a mood and yeah, like yeah, yeah. maybe be, be in that mood and see what the movie's like yeah, and yeah. then try it again uh, when you're in a different one. I have, it's like a painting. You'll, mm. it's like, I'm, I'm currently looking behind Cassie is this like beautiful kind of landscape of mountains oh, yeah, and things. Yeah, yes, yes. And depending on, I'm feeling good right now. So I'm seeing a lot of happiness in here, but it could also be like desolate and like empty and you know yeah people have walked in and have uh said it looks sad to them and other people well like it i I personally like it It, i think it's great i like i think nature out of every despite everything that's happening uh getting out into nature is what like resets me and makes me feel good for sure the shining has a lot of very pretty shots of nature yeah let me see how that happens so i'm an idiot (laughs) (laughs) adam thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me on cassie it was great And that's our show. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. Remember, guys, check out Adam's podcast. You're going to love this podcast, specifically episode 21, Millennial Folk Hero with me, Cassie Jerkins. It's a very fun episode. You can also follow Adam's podcast on Instagram and Facebook at YGLT Podcast. Remember, you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps the show get more visible and is greatly appreciated. You can also follow Dumb Nerds on Twitter and Facebook at Dumb Nerds. And if you're shopping on Amazon, Amazon, go to boardwalkaudio.com slash dumb nerds. Click on that support our artist button. It takes you straight to Amazon so you can shop like you normally would. That's it for this week. I'll see you next time. Bye. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.